Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. A much better week. It's much warmer. The sun's out this afternoon. It's really nice. Agriculture Today brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we have our usual Friday look back at grain markets for the week. Canola is up and spring wheat is down. Protein Industries Canada has had a successful year and outlines the past four years in investments in developing plant-based food alternatives. We have a two-part update on grain movement and railway performance evaluation from QGI Consulting. The farm weather's in its usual spot. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Grain markets were mixed this holiday shortened week. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Pacallo says canola was up about $8 per metric ton, while spring wheat was down $0.07 cents a bushel. Well, Jim, starting off on the canola front, as you mentioned, it was a shorter week with only trading days Wednesday, Thursday, and today for canola. But on the week, we increased approximately $8 a ton. The March contract sits at about eight seventy-five as we're talking here right now. On the Minneapolis wheat front, the U.S. markets were open Tuesday, so an extra trading day for other markets other than canola. Minneapolis wheat on the March contract decreased approximately $0.07 cents a bushel on the week. Today, quite strong, up about $0.15. Cents. We were up closer to 20 at one point, where we currently sit at nine twenty-eight and a half a bushel. So definitely on the wheat front, we've seen a rally a little bit more significantly on the Chicago contract since the beginning of the month up about 65 cents a bushel. Minneapolis hasn't had as large of a rally, still up about 30. We're seeing a bit of cold weather in the U.S. having potentially some damage for the U.S. winter wheat crop, but we are starting to see, I think, you know, things, I would say, slow down a little bit on the momentum side right now, given the rally we've seen. So next week, I'm definitely going to be watching to see if, you know, if this does slow down, if we can break through $8 on the Chicago wheat contract and see if it can go kind of above there. So what pushed canola up this week and wheat down? 
Well, kind of, you know, starting off on the canola front, one definitely positive factor has been on the soybean side. March soybeans actually traded to the highest level since June 17th overnight. So uncertainty on the weather situation for Argentina over the weekend and and weakness in the energy markets were seen as slight negatives. But I'm seeing, again, Argentina is expecting more dry and warm weather conditions. This will likely increase crop stress and add to the already stressful situation down there. Brazil's northern and central regions are forecast to receive some scattered rains over the next two weeks. But really, the story has actually been on soybean meal front. Again, with the weather in Argentina, the soybean meal contract today pushed up to new contract highs on the March. And we are seeing really just kind of some supportive factors here for canola. Soybean oil, though, however, is turning a little bit lower. So I've been still talking to producers about some new crop protection strategies. Given that we've seen now canola rally about $70 a ton here this month in December. Bacalo says he will watch trends in crude oil prices next week because it may set the tone for some grain prices in the new year. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. Regina-based Protein Industries Canada has spearheaded almost half a billion dollars into plant-based food development in the past four years. CEO Bill Gruel says Protein Industries Canada has advanced the food and ingredient sector through more than 50 innovative projects. It's been a bit of a wild ride. We were created four years ago, and over the course of that time, we funded and supported 55 large-scale projects, all aimed at growing Canada's plant-based food sector, really trying to help farmers have new markets for their crops. And those 55 projects, that's total $477 million worth of investments, created a lot of good intellectual property, and most exciting, some new products on the store shelves as well. Outline some of those new products for me. What What's on the store shelf that wasn't there, say, four years ago when you started that's made from plant-based food? So a couple of products that your listeners might be able to find in stores here because they're available through, you know, Loblaws and Sobeys and Save-On Foods. Things like products from Big Mountain Foods. They're a company based out of Vancouver. They do alternative meats, so burgers and sausages and that type of stuff, and also some alternative cheeses. We've got oat milk from a company out of Toronto that's doing some oat milk work and products from Dea Foods that your listeners might know them and see them in the dairy case. They do alternative cheese products as well. What's coming down the pipe? What can consumers expect to see in the near future? Well, I think uh, somewhat more of the same, but also some new and different products. I think what consumers will see in the next one to two years is what I would call the next generation of plant-based food products. So today what you're seeing is things that are mimicking ground beef, like sausages or patties. I think what we'll see in the future is meat products or alternative meat products that are mimicking whole muscle cuts of meat. And so we find it's really exciting work looking at products that look and taste and feel just like a slice of fish. We've also got a company that's producing an alternative to Wagyu beef. And we recently launched a project with Conscious Foods based out of Vancouver that's doing a plant-based sushi. And I tried it the other day and it's pretty hard to tell the difference. You see growth then? Outline that for me, the growth in plant-based foods that are similar to meat and other products. I think the important thing for everybody listening is that plant-based food is going to grow but so is meat, right? If you look at the population growth on a global basis, there will always be demand for meat for the next 20, 25 years it's growing. And so really what we're trying to do with plant-based foods 
is just fill that gap in the global need for calories, the global need for food, and what consumers are wanting these days. So overall, the food sector is set to grow. You know, the plant-based food sector may be growing a little bit faster, but, but, but overall, most categories are going to grow. How big will the plant-based food industry be by 2035? We think, Tim, that it's going to be a $250 billion economic opportunity. And, and we think that Canada is really well positioned to capture 10% of that market, which is, which is significant because if you look at globally, Canada is around 3.5% of the global agri-food market. So if we think we can achieve 10% of plant-based foods, that's really significant growth for the country. That's $25 billion in annual sales by 2035. It absolutely is. And, you know, thanks to the great producers that we have in this country who are growing ample and sustainable crops, we've got a lot of opportunity to feed those processing facilities and build out plant-based foods. What are some of the key crops you're talking about here, turning plant-based foods, making using plant-based foods? So if you go to the grocery store today, most plant-based foods are made from soy protein and wheat protein. But what we're focused on is the crops that we grow at scale in Western Canada. So I think what you'll see more of in the future is uh, yellow peas being incorporated into plant-based foods. Fava bean is a real interesting crop from food processors because it's got a very neutral taste. Chickpea protein is an interesting one because it's got some characteristics that make it a great egg substitute. So it's really all the crops that we're growing here in Western Canada. And it's interesting that food companies are looking for a lot of different ingredients because they have to get the right functionality, the right nutrition, the right cost. So, you know, Western Canada becomes an attractive place to source ingredients because of all the different crops that farmers grow here. Bill Gruel is the CEO of Regina-based Protein Industries. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. I'm joined right now by Christian Hebert. Christian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Sean. How are you doing? Pretty good. What's going on on the farm right now? We're actually just gearing up. We got our Christmas party coming up tonight with all of our crew and spouses and kids. And and uh, to be honest, we usually shut down for ten or fourteen days over the break to get everybody to recharge for the new year. Now, now with some of that crew, I'm just curious, what what kind of training do you put them through, and and learning experiences so that when you do get to where you know the the wheels are turning and we're out in the field, that everybody can hit the ground running. Yes, I mean. Nowadays, you can do some simulations. So say John Deere has some monitor simulations, et cetera, that we can do in the winter. And we try to get them to one or two farm shows to just check out some of the new stuff and, and see some of the new technology. But really what we've really tried to set up is, is good shifts and extra people. So when we're training in seeding, we can have people riding in the buddy seat for two or three hours and, and then maybe run it themselves in the, in the perfect part of the day on the good part of the field and, and ease their way into becoming one of the main operators. We've really found that a lot of the training is just make sure you have enough staff and, and team around to help each other and have two people on one job until one person's comfortable. Where maybe in the past, we were always short-staffed and that, that re- really led to, to poor training because they just didn't get enough time 
of, uh, you know, of the mentorship around. Yeah, and don't set people up to fail, right? Don't put somebody in a space where they really have no idea what they're doing and then be mad, don't do it right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come to work every day with the mentality that everybody's here to do a good job. I don't, I don't believe anybody gets up in the morning hoping, saying that they want to go to work and fail. So most times, and we tend to do this actually weekly, we go through anything that went wrong and we try to explain, you know, was it a process or was it a person that was the problem? And 99 times out of a hundred, it's a process. And usually it was a lack of communication, a lack of training or, or a lack of time to do the job properly. Easy to blame the people though, right? That's, that's the quick out that I think a lot of people take. Yeah, I think it's always easy to blame the people. And, you know, I, I always tell a bit of a story when it comes to this in today's world. I mean, you go to the Colorado Avalanche with the Stanley Cup last year. And if you ask anybody who the, you know, their best player is, uh, when it comes to the team, everyone will say McKinnon or McCarr. And, and I don't disagree. They're fantastic players, but. I'd maybe argue that their captain Landeskog is, is the most important one to the team. You don't really know who he is. He was third or fourth on the team in points in the playoffs. He goes into all the, you know, the hard places in front of the net and in the corner and does media. So the young guys don't have to. And I think that's the big thing is in today's world, we really seem to have set up society that everybody wants to be the MVP and nobody cares about the Stanley cup. And so we find when we focus on processes, not on people, um, it gives us a lot better shot at coming out at the end of the week, winning, uh, not necessarily, you know, each person being an MVP, but the whole team is. Well, let's stick with the sports analogies. I also think of how quick sports teams are in football, hockey, European soccer to, you know, there's a bit of a losing skid. It's the coach. And so he's the, you know, it's, it's a people problem, right? And so they, they're, they're, they're gassed. They're, they, they try to find somebody new to coach when maybe there hasn't necessarily been an evaluation of, you know, you've had, you've run through eight coaches and you're still crappy. Maybe, maybe there, maybe there's like a scouting issue. Maybe you're not giving the players to the coach. Like, there's a lack of investigation and some deeper issues there. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a funny scenario, right? I, I agree with you. I think some of these sports teams, it's pretty long processes to be dynasties, et cetera. So you go right back to the scouting and then, I mean, the other thing is, let's be honest, these players are getting paid multi-millions of dollars, so let's hold them accountable. And let's maybe not be too hard on coach or coaches that do hold them accountable. Um, as I said, we've, we've kind of set up some of these teams to focus on being MVPs instead of teams that win. And I mean, you look at one of the ultimate examples is, is Patty, Patty Maroon that's in Tampa Bay. I mean, guy's won, what, three Stanley Cups in a row, four in his career. He, he's never been an MVP, but obviously he's a pretty important part of teams that allows them to win. And and just brings that type of culture in. And I think we tend to undervalue, um, you know, culture and, and trusting each other and exercises to help build team trust uh, and maybe focus a little too much on, oh, he's got 20 years of farm experience. He must be good. Great stuff. Hey, Christian, wish you nothing but the best. and look forward to chatting with you again in 2023. Yeah, you bet, Sean. Look forward to chatting again. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at Real Agriculture. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina. Specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, clearing this afternoon, wind southeast 20 kilometers per hour. The high, minus 10 degrees. Fog patches developing overnight, and a low of minus 14. 
Saturday, increasing cloudiness. Fog patches dissipating in the morning. Winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high, minus 10 Saturday. Wind chill minus 20 in the morning, minus 15 in the afternoon. The low, minus 15. Sunday, New Year's Day, cloudy sky. High minus 13, low minus 14. Monday, cloudy with a high minus 8, the low minus 12. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 12, the low minus 13. Wednesday, partly cloudy, with a high minus 9, the low minus 15. Thursday, partly cloudy, the high minus 7. Normal high is minus 11 for this date. The normal low for this date, minus 23. The sun rose at 8.59 this morning. It sets at 5.03 tonight. And currently, around the province, the hot spot right now is Maple Creek in the southwest corner at minus 2. The cold spot way up north, south end, at minus 23. Estevan and Saskatoon, both minus 13 again today. Swift Current, minus 6. Weyburn and Yorkton, both minus 14. Scattered cloud in Regina, very sunny type day. It's minus 13. That's 8 above Fahrenheit. Winds are from the southeast at 27. Humidity is 84%. The barometer falling, 100.8. Scattered cloud in Moose Jaw, minus 13. Winds are from the southeast at 2. Once again, Regina, scattered cloud, minus 13. That's 8 above Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada. Before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils, maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Grain Week 19. In December, saw rail car demand trending down going into the colder months. Milt Poyer is with QGI Consulting and monitors the railway's grain movement performance on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of grain companies and producer organizations. Poirier saw some slippage during week 19. Yeah, I think uh, slippage is a good term. The end, you know, was respectable, I would say, uh, at 80% order fulfillment, kind of at the low end of the range that they've been operating in for, you know, the better part of two months with, with few exceptions. Uh, not so good on CP. If you recall, we had seen a, a nice bounce from CP in week 18 after a couple of uh, not so good weeks in week 16 and 17 when they were down in the low 70s for order fulfillment. They had pushed that up to 84% uh, in week 18, but uh, you know, revert, reverted to form, if you will, unfortunately in week 19 coming in at 76%. So yeah, you know, the weather wasn't particularly bad in week 19. We did have some cold weather in the West, but you know, frankly, nothing like what we're seeing right now, but that may have contributed a little bit, uh, not sure. But more broadly, I think what we need to focus on is the fact that uh, for CN, despite the fact they hung in at 80% in week 19, the trajectory on performance for them is pretty much down for the better part of the last four weeks. You know, they were operating in the high 80s, then the mid 80s, and now they're down to 80%. So that's not a good trajectory. Of course, time will always tell to see if they can turn the corner on that. And for CP, you know, it's just erratic, I guess is probably the best word to describe it. They haven't been particularly good 
for the better part of uh, two and a half months now, but they've been up and down lots. Their downs tend to be uh, more extreme than their ups. You know, we haven't seen them, I don't think, north of 85% or so for pretty much since September. And what we're seeing today uh, is not going to help their efforts, to be sure. When we look inside the numbers for CN and CP for week 19, uh, the story, for the most part, the same uh, for both railways, and that was the Vancouver corridor. Demand, as we know, has been heavy uh, to Vancouver all year, and week 19 was no exception. When you put the two railways together, you know, demand in the Vancouver corridor was just shy of 6,000 of the 10,000 total cars ordered for that week by shippers, and uh, neither railway did particularly well servicing that quarter in week 19, CN 70%, CP 75%. And that kind of wrote the story because, uh, I mean, when one corridor dominates demand uh, by that much and you don't perform there, it's hard to make it up in smaller corridors. And that's pretty much what we saw. The other issue that's worth highlighting, I think, coming out of work uh, week 19 is the issue of outstanding order counts. Now, this has been an issue for CP for quite a while now. Uh, we've talked about this before. Uh, and it goes hand in hand, of course, with poor order fulfillment performance. CN, unfortunately, seems to have joined the party, uh, so to speak, on this issue. They've been pretty good in, in keeping that number low uh, week to week until, let's say, the last four weeks. Uh, part of how they kept that number low was through some regular rationing of orders, which we've seen, I think, in 10 of the last 12 weeks. But coming out of week 19, They've hit the high water mark uh, for them this year. Uh, they're coming into week 20 with uh, more than 800 outstanding orders, which is up from 672, I think, the week before, and up from the 500s and the 300s in the two weeks prior to that. So the trend is not good. And CP, you know, has, has had issues here, as I said, for a while. And we thought we were seeing some progress over the last couple of weeks. But then they kind of turned south in week 19. And again, you know, hand in hand with the poor order fulfillment. So they're coming into week 20 carrying more than 1,500 outstanding orders. And that's the third time in the last four weeks that that number for CP has been at that level. So this issue, as we know, based on experience over prior years, uh, is problematic. Once you start rolling down the wrong road, difficult to turn and catch up on a backlog like that. And that's at the best of times. So with the cold weather that's set in, you know, in Western Canada, pretty much from the Manitoba-Ontario border right to the coast, it's going to make that an even bigger challenge uh, for both railways. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what we see in week 20 and week 21 over the next couple of weeks. But this weather is not going to help that effort. Uh, and in fact, in the near term, might make it worse. So something worth watching. Milt Poyer is with QGI Consulting. He monitors the railway's grain movement performance on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition. Coming up, he discusses efforts to catch up on grain movement. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, 
engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. This is part two of the Ag Transport Coalition's Grain Movement Report for the most recent week, week 19. Milt Poyer with QGI Consulting says cold weather last week slowed grain movement. He predicts demand will be down in weeks 20 and 21. He expects recoverability to be an issue for both railways after a difficult few weeks. Yeah, that's always the challenge, right? We know from experience and history tells us that when you get into this time of year, particularly with this kind of weather, that there is just a generic slowdown in the system. If they have not already, uh, the railways will be putting into place their winter operating plans, uh, which means they will start to restrict train lengths, which means capacity will go down, cars will turn more slowly, And when you put those factors together, it basically means that there's lower capacity uh, with respect to shippers being able to order cars and ship cars. So, you know, we accept that and that happens every year to some extent. How bad it is typically depends on how severe the weather is, but it happens. So the issue is always uh, once we get through those periods, you know, depending on how much performance has slipped is how well equipped the railways are to recover. They don't have a tremendous track record over the last number of years to demonstrate resiliency uh, within their systems. So once the pain starts, it tends to last for unfortunately an extended period of time. I mean, we saw that even last year and last year was, you know, the lowest demand year we've seen in probably a decade. But despite that, You know, performance uh, went down starting in December, although to be fair, last year it it was triggered by the track outages between Kamloops and and Vancouver. But the reality is even once those tracks were open and trains were running and they returned to full capacity, that poor performance, you know, went on and on and on well through January, February and into March. So when we know that the system generally is going to start to contract, you kind of need to have all the arrows pointing in your direction in order to minimize the disruption and to speed the recovery of the system. And unfortunately, right now, all of the arrows are not pointing in favor of the railways. And there's two things that I would highlight in particular. One is what we call idle car counts. As you know, ATC puts out a daily network status report that looks at the traffic that's moving every day Uh, in all the different corridors, you know, it means that your capacity is reduced even further. The the second issue is this issue of outstanding orders. Heading into week 20, the railways combined are carrying 2,400 orders that they did not fill in week 19. And by the way, that, that number includes outstanding orders that go all the way back to week 16. Milt Poirier is with QGI Consulting monitors the railway's grain movement performance on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition. His comments come from the Grain by Train podcast, produced by Pulse Canada, a member of the Ag Transport. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building material supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. And Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Grain prices were showing 
upward movement in early trading today. Viterra prices for canola gained 640 at 852.42. One red spring wheat increased 576 at 422.64. The rest were unchanged. Durham 496.28. Feed barley 356.57. Chickpeas 925.95. Flax 682.98, lentils 767.50, oats 264.30, yellow peas 476.89, and feed wheat 289.56. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for March gained 12 and three quarter cents at 9.26 and three quarter cents. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock, 842-4574. Now, the latest quotes. This is the micro report from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of December 27th. There are no sales anywhere at this time of year. However, the cattle market uh, did remain strong throughout the fall. Cap prices were actually somewhat uh, higher as buyers scrambled to fill orders in December, so things are looking good going into the new year. How long will these high prices last? Well, the expert expects to last uh, at least four or five years. We There has been a major sell-off of cows in Canada and the U.S. this year. That means less calves and yearlings coming up and going forward, less supply, more demand. It is a North American cattle market, and it is never affected by aggravation or some feedlots fall. There are always places to go somewhere on the continent. And, of course, prices are never high enough when you're selling, but too high when you're buying. This has been Roy Rutgers reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets the cattle and gets the prices too. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices for today, $201.87 per CKG. Coming up, the res- This is the Saskatchewan Resource Reports on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. Cattle prices improved this past year, but producers had to deal with much higher feed costs, interest rates, and inflation. The ongoing discrepancy is weighing on cow-calf producers, according to agricultural commentator Kevin Hirsch. Cow-calf prices, if you look at the 550 weight steers sold for in the fall calf run, probably up 40, 50 cents a pound. That's a good news story, but the bad news is that cow-calf sector is still very marginal for profitability in many cases losing money and certainly not seeing the returns that the the grain industry is Hearst says a growing number of smaller and mid-sized cow-calf producers are considering the conversion of pastures into cropland if it's agronomically feasible on the markets, the TSX has fallen 71 points to 19,414. The Dow has declined 243 points to 32,977. Oil has gone up 46 cents at 78.86 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 73.90 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If
If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.